Welcome to another episode of the Sawdust and Fire podcast. We are your host. I am Hunter Johnson. And I'm Thomas Baldridge. Well, Thomas, here we are another week down and just a few days from bow season. What you got happening in your neck of the woods? Oh, man, about about the same. Uh, another day older and deeper in debt, you know, is what it seems like. Uh, I'm just looking at this weather forecast, and we've been in this drought for a while now, and it, surely the goodness has got to break sooner or later. Uh, like you, I, I haven't planted any kind of fall food plots, and I'm watching this tick by on us here and and a small chance on friday and a small chance on sunday and then it goes back to nothing again for till up into october so yeah i I need rain bad well we uh we built a little duck reservoir back in july and soon as we finished i seeded wheat we scratched the levees the new levees and i seeded wheat on all of them And I haven't got enough rain yet since then for the wheat sprout. Oh, man. I drove down it a while ago, and uh, wheat seed just, you can see it all over the ground. And uh, ain't been enough moisture for the wheat to sprout. Been laying there this long. So I sure ain't putting in no fall food plot. No. No, and I've been watching this weather, and I'm, you know, this rain chance for Friday, Saturday that started it out depending on if you looked on your, your app on your phone or watched the local weatherman on TV, they started out saying, well, this is not a good chance, but going to have some scattered showers, 20, 30% chance. And then the app would have it bumped up to 50. And uh, now they've kind of narrowed it down to about a 50% chance on Friday and a 50% chance on Sunday. And I, I need it not only to rain now, but I, I need like two or three rains, you know, um, it, it's just powder keg dry, man. It, it's really bad right now. And, uh, you know, last year was like this, this is our, our second hoorah. And, uh, I had a big pallet full of seed last year and I was praying for it to rain and not planting and not planting and finally went ahead and planted and got some stuff to grow. But, uh, I can't say that it ever really did great. It, it grew, it did okay. Uh, but it didn't do great, and uh, it's just tough, man. It's just tough. It is. I've got a, uh, I've got some moist soil that I'm trying to fire pumps up on now, trying to get water running on some of it. Um, it's just water levels have got so low in the sloughs and ditches and stuff around them that I've got to get it brought back up. The moist soil's pretty much made, but uh, you know, just trying to main a maintain a water level that you know could hold a few early ducks or teal if they decided to come on and and uh just to keep from having to pump so much when it is time you know i'm trying to keep those levels up about as high as i can and uh without you know without actually flooding uh the moist soil itself and river still river still up it's falling pretty good. I've got some work to do there on the riverbank. So as far as I'm concerned, I wish the river would keep dropping, but I need a rain. I mean, I can't even, I got some ground I need to work up and, uh, I can't even work it up. It's too dry to work ground right now. And, uh, you know, somebody over the weekend was lighting fires. I think they said somebody intentionally lit three big grass fires in Woodruff County over the weekend and uh burn up a bunch of stuff and i look i saw one but just north of me here that had burned a, a grassland that you know actually probably needed burnt for a long time uh it's going to do it a lot of good but uh somebody burned it of course the problem is there was some cars out there some old cars and stuff that I, they probably didn't want burnt and they burnt them smooth up but um but it's going to do a lot of a lot of good for the quail I, i'm sure so yeah yeah well um i hope it does man i've been seeing a lot of quail and they've been really talking here around the house and uh i've flushed them coming in and out of the house even in the truck the other day pulling in the driveway flushed flushed some and uh, got some on video making some really cool sounds here in the yard and 
and uh, watched them all pitch from one side of the field to the other, and that was pretty neat. Man, I love seeing that. I was up at the Hill Farm last week, and uh, we got one section of the Hill Farm that I haven't seen any quail on yet. And uh, went in there. We had a, a tire blew on the tractor come off the rim, and uh, I took it and had a new tire put on and took it back up there. Oh, I don't know, last Tuesday or Wednesday. Maybe it's Thursday. I don't remember now. My days run together. But anyway, coming out, uh, jumped a nice covey of birds in the road, probably uh, 12 or 15 birds in the group. And uh, that was encouraging because we've never seen birds in that part. That means now that we we literally have birds on every section of that farm. Um, every cool. Every area of that farm has coveys of birds on it and very encouraging. Man, yeah, it is. Yeah. But I've got yeah. our dang bow season open Saturday, yours too, but season open Saturday. And man, I'm just, I'm running behind. I'm not ready. Usually by now I've got all my, my mulching done in the woods for the ducks. And I've, I've still got two weeks worth of mulching to get done. Um, I've usually mulched paths to through the woods to all of our tree stands so you can walk quieter. And I've, uh, got some got a couple little uh micro clear cuts i'd like to do for some for some deer bedding and uh you know some kind of set back the timber for some regeneration and um i got to get to that and usually i like to be done in the woods by about september 15th is always kind of my goal but man i'm running behind and dad blame bobcat can't keep it running it's broke down um went and got parts for it this morning and hoping I can hoping that this fixes it and I can get it up and going. Um, ask questions on Facebook and finally run across an old boy named Bobcat Steve. And, uh, I figure if your name's Bobcat Steve, you know, a little dab about it. And, uh, so he, uh, he posted a couple of diagrams, told me what it thought it was, posted a couple of diagrams and then sent me his phone number, said, call me. So I called him and we talked through it and he narrowed it down to, to one check valve. Uh, but that fuel system, you know, high pressure fuel system is so complex uh, that, you know, it just, you almost can't work on them anymore. So many rail sensors and pressure sensors and check valves and all of that crap and, and fuel diverts here to a certain temperature and then over here to a certain temperature. And, but we think a check valve's bad and I hope that fix it. Cause if so, it's just a two hour, job and uh and a 40 dollar part but i got to part this morning and hope i can get it going but there's not i mean ain't nobody you can call to come out and work on it um you're just hung yeah well that's uh that's one of my questions you know i i have uh i, I really want to know why we are in 2023 and still to this day, you can't buy stuff that works. Well, you're right about that. You know, we was watching, uh, I had, we had one of our kids got married uh, over the weekend and uh, we were kind of all sitting around watching TV and Axeman happened to be on and somebody made a comment, you know, how do they keep all that old equipment running? And you know, I'm like, you know, dude, that's like a 1970s or early 80 models yarder that we're looking at there that they're working on. There ain't nothing electronic on it but a starter. And, yeah. and there, I mean, nothing else is electronic. There's nothing to go wrong. But everything that you buy now has got so dad blame many electronic electrical parts on it that you can't work on it to begin with. And then you're going to take something like electronics wires and diodes and and little things that are so fragile and put them out there in the work environment the beating and banging and the moisture and the dust and um well it ain't no wonder that they won't stay working but the problem is when they tear up there ain't nobody to call and fix them because everybody you buy this crap from anymore sells lawnmowers and then happens to sell skid steers along with it and they ain't got no mechanic they can send out here to work on the dang thing it's so so discouraging well you know um uh, i got another uh little trespasser that 
had bumped through here during turkey season. And um, I was talking to, uh, you know, everybody about this. And, of course, the people on Facebook, uh, they just think that that's funny. And, uh, you know, that that uh, you should just let whoever, you know, don't be don't be selfish or whatever. Just let whoever come out here and do whatever they want or, or they think it's a badge of honor, you know, in turkey hunting and uh, all kinds of crazy comments and stuff. But anyhow, several guys said, man, you need to get some of them cellular uh, trail cam cameras. And I said, well, I've resisted doing that because I mean, I, dang, I ain't sure I can get them to work. And then, once you get in on one deal, it's it's not so much the price of the camera because the camera prices have come down, you know, where they're they're very affordable. But um the cost of them monthly plans rip your head off. And then reliability, you know, of the actual camera. And uh I mean it doesn't matter now. I, I've joined, you know, some Facebook groups, you know, whether it's a uh a, a trail camera, a side-by-side, -side, a, uh, a Toyota, you know, which is supposed to be the most reliable vehicle known to man. I, and I'm sure God not knocking them because they are good. Uh, Toyotas, uh, uh, skid steers, tractors. Seems like it doesn't matter what you look at. It all costs three or four times what it should. And it may work. It may not work. If it doesn't work and you have warranty, you can't get nobody to work on it. You can't talk to customer service. Uh, somebody wind up calling you, you know, if you do get to talk to a human, uh, you know, you can't speak English and or half can and, and uh, can't understand them. And man, I was on a deal the other day, uh, trying to run some, some customer service stuff down and, and just, Plum got aggravated trying to get propane of all things. And get this, Amerigas has gotten so bad that I finally got to talk to a human being. <laughs> and if you want to put in an order for, for them to come refill your tank, you either got to do it online or on your mobile app. And if you do it calling and talking to the person that I was talking to that already had answered the phone, they wanted to charge me almost another $10. Now it was like a $9 and something or whatever it is for, for me already talking to a person to have that person put my order in. So that's one reason I use sun gas. Cause I call sun gas and say, Hey, I need propane. And they say, okay, how low are you? And, you know, and I tell them, and they said, we'll have somebody out there in the next, four or five days and the next day they show up and they fill me up and, and their prices are better than anybody else's. Mm -hmm. So they get the customer service deal and they get the prices. But, um, I mean, it, the other propane company I called cause I always shop around the other propane company. I called for every deal. You had to press a number, press a number for this, a number for that. Couldn't get through. It was the craziest deal. Same way on the Kubota, I had the Kubota zero turn went down on me the other day and I was working on it and I was trying to get a part. And by the time I went through their phone tree, pressed this number for this person and that person and went to voicemail and kicked me out. And I called back there. Finally, I just said, the heck with them. I won't buy no parts from them whether they have them or not. And uh, everything now, when I get on Facebook, I'll give you an example because I've started started researching these trail cameras, these cellular trail cameras pretty hard. And uh, everybody said, oh, I know the answer to that Tacticam, Tacticam, buy you a Tacticam. I said, okay. So I get to looking at Tacticam and their monthly prices are really as high or higher, really higher probably than anybody else. And then I thought they were supposed to be this bulletproof camera. Well, you get in on these groups on Facebook and it's like nonstop problems. I mean, especially after the latest firmware update, which I don't even know what a firmware update is, but, uh, after your last, you know, electronic update, it all went to the crap on them, you know, and now, and, and they're bad and this is bad. And that's well, okay. Somebody said, man, if you want cheap monthly plans and stuff, get, get this cutting link. 
and I'd looked at them and you sent me a link the other day and, uh, man, it's just like nonstop trouble out of all this stuff. And, um, you know, so I, man, I, I have no, and of course, a lot of people don't like spy point, you know, I've had good luck with them, but not on a cell cam. I hadn't ran their cell cameras. Um, I've had some of their stuff just straight up quit working though. Um, well, I'll let you know on Spy Point. I got three new ones laying here on my desk that I got to get out, get programmed, and get a plan for, and get them up and going. I'll let you know how they do. But, um, you know, was it last year or year before last? I bought six Moultries, and I'm down to the third one might work, but I know two works, and the rest of them, I guess, would just throw them in the trash. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know what you do with them. You either throw them away or you get dummy ones. Hey, there was a company I come across, and I, I can't remember it right now. Um, that's a direct-to-consumer company, and they use a single cell phone plan for all your cameras. You just you do have to add a $7 line for each one you add, and they have a five-year warranty, uh, kind of like the, the old Leupold and, and Vortex. I mean, no questions asked. If it goes bad, we send you a new one kind of deal. And uh, I got real excited about that and started looking into it. And then there were things about it that that looked a little bit off. But that was a really interesting deal. If if they they catch up in some areas, you know, they might be uh, they might be the way to go. Um, you well, know, hundred dollars a piece. Uh, no, they weren't that bad. They even had a a new camera. That was around the hundred and fifty dollar mark. I can't remember. And then they had a little bit better camera. Uh, that was a little more. But you know, when they try to make them cheaper, that you lose some of the features out of you know some of the cameras. Which, in all honesty, you know, most people don't need all these features. You know that that they put on everything now. I mean, I just need something to work. You know, I like it's like putting a hand warmers on a shotgun. I don't need hand warmers on a shotgun, but I'll guarantee you. Won't be long and people be put they they got seat seat warmers inside besides now. Oh yeah. Heated seats in the side. I mean, come on, man. Some of this stuff, we don't need all that. Well, yeah. We slept on a bed this past weekend. My wife got so excited. It was one of these beds that have the heating coils inside of the mattress. And she saw that thermostat on the nightstand, had one on each nightstand. And I was excited because I had my own and I could leave it off and she could put hers on her side on whatever she wanted to put it on. But uh, she never could get that thing to work and was mad all weekend over not being able to get it to work. And I don't need, you know, now they want us to buy electric cars. <laughs> Dude, I am out. I am 100% out on that deal. I don't want anything I mean, the last four-wheeler I bought had electronic shift, and that sucker stayed broke and stayed tore up, and I was ready to sell the four-wheeler. I don't know how many times it was fixed under warranty, how many times we fixed it after warranty went out, and I'm paying $100 a pop. It's constant throttle position sensors and angle sensors getting fried, and finally I was mad and got on Facebook, and some old boy from Louisiana uh, was charging a hundred dollars to tell you how to fix it. And I got with him. I done it. And he told me what to go buy. You go buy a foot shifter off, find a foot shifter in a junkyard off a 1984 Yamaha big bear and spread that thing open and put it on your shifter where your shifter ought to go and weld that sucker on and then on the front, there's a little uh, shift motor on those electric shift four-wheelers. Take that shift motor off. There's a pendulum gear. Take that pendulum gear and rear back and throw it as far as you can over into the neighbor's yard. And then put the shift motor back on and forget about it. And I ain't had a second's problem out of that four-wheeler again since I went to manual shift over that dad blame electronic crap. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's... Uh... Uh, weed eaters and and lawnmowers and you know uh, now i will say i've seen some stuff do good uh, my cordless drills the new ones i got and impacts and all that boy whoo they are sure sure are nice it just took us about 30 or 40 years to get there yeah uh, so i i mean you go down there uh, i've been looking for my son a truck 
we stopped in a Toyota dealer the other day and looked around. You go look at Toyotas right now and the new uh, minivans that they got, Sienna's, which he, he wasn't. Hey, don't buy that boy a minivan. No, no, I was looking at that for my wife. Okay. Uh, because hers, hers, she's got a Toyota minivan, 303,000 miles on that dude. She's still rolling in that thing. And, uh, it's, man, it's been a good one, but, uh, and no, no real issues, but the guy, I, I said something to him about that minivan. No, my son's looking at a Tacoma, but, uh, I said something about that minivan. He said, you can't get a, an all a regular gas only gas minivan. I said, what are you talking about? He said, they're all hybrids. He said, uh, they don't even make one. that's not. And I said, oh, come on, man. He said, no, I'm serious. He said, they got a gas engine in them, and they got an electric motor in them. And uh, uh, when you put the brakes on, it charges the battery, and and uh, you never know if you're running on gas or electricity. And I said, golly. And he acted like it was, you know, the greatest thing ever. Of course, me, I'm like, man, I don't know about all that. But, but uh, you know, it's like, it's, it's, I, man, we're in 2023, and it doesn't matter. If it's a computer, a cell phone, a cell camera, a skid steer, a tractor, a truck, a car, or a person, ain't nobody works no more. No, no. And I, I'm going to add to that. They won't even put frosting all the way across top of the Pop-Tart anymore. <laughs> oh, mercy. I, I just don't get it, man. I, I, I don't understand what's going on. And, and how can we have all of this technology? I mean... I was at the doctor's yesterday and he couldn't even get my, his computer froze up and he could, he had to go get somebody to come in there and try and fix it. Cause he couldn't look at any of my stuff without the computer, you know, loading it up and, and work. I was like, man, this is a, he said, yeah, it's great when it works, but you know, just nothing seems to work. You know, back in the day when I was a kid, you'd go into the doctor's office They'd ask you what your last name was. They'd go over to the file cabinet to the J's and they'd open that up and they'd thumb through it till they found Hunter Johnson in it. And they'd pull that file out and it, the handwritten, everything you needed to know about me was right there in it. And if you decided to switch doctors, they had to mail that over to your next doctor. Yeah, them, and, them days are over. Yeah, that don't happen no more. Uh-uh, no. Them days are so far gone. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes I think the advancements we're making are not truly advanced, you know? No, you know, and it's kind of spooky, you know, just like they couldn't, you know, you could, doctor couldn't even think about doing anything to you if his computer wasn't working. It's kind of spooky that with everything electronic, you know, one little computer glitch and you can't have no money. They don't know how much money you got. They don't know what doctor needs you got, what ailments you got, what prescription drugs to prescribe you. They can knock your car out. Um, they can control every, everything about your life is on is electronic. And well, with some type of a little glitch, your world could come crashing down. You know, I, I tell people this all the time. Uh, for the most part, a lot of my Facebook friends are rednecks. You know, they're just, now I got some preacher friends and I got some doctor friends and I, you know, stuff, but for the vast majority, it's, it's redneck hunter and fishermen and women, you know, scattered all over that, I, that are on my Facebook for the, for the most part. So what I typically see in my Facebook feed is very different than my wife's who, you know, has a lot of professional people and a lot of medical people on, on her Facebook, you know, her, her, her friends are smarter than we is. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, they make more money than we do, but, <laughs> but, uh, and probably think they're smarter, but so the drastic difference between the two and what's in your feed, it just, it, it's just shocking. But so I don't want this to sound like uh like I'm on a Facebook conspiracy theory. Uh, I do love a good conspiracy theory, but 
I'm I'm not one of these ten full hat guys either. But um but you talk about that and and there is a reality to whoever, the government, uh some agency or, or whatever, just at the flip of a switch could could theoretically shut you down. And I mean it it's happening all the way to your vehicle now. And uh there's an older movie Will Smith was in it called enemy of the state. And it's a pretty good conspiracy little movie. And, and, uh, you know, years ago, uh, you know, when they started kind of messing with him and shutting him down, you know, he's trying to swipe his credit card and it's like decline, you know, swipe because they didn't shut everything off, man. They shut his bank accounts off. And, and the, the odd thing, and you should watch that movie. I've but seen what, it. Okay. What's odd is, is that that stuff actually has happened. Like recently, yeah. I mean, they they've shut some people down. So, uh, man, I I don't know. We're just living in a really odd time, and uh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to uh, to navigate all that, you know. And me and you, we're just out here with the mosquitoes, ticks and chiggers, and you know, quail and turkey and deer and ducks, and and uh, you know, it just. Uh, I, I don't know, man. It's just a complex situation that, that we have to navigate daily. And it doesn't matter if you're living in a big city or if you're out in the country. And uh, it's just a crazy deal. That's just where we're at today. I, I don't know how we got here, but, and I'll tell you another thing while we're on a, while I'm on my little soapbox. Um, last week was September 11th and it's always a, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's an odd time for me that I, I spend a lot of time, you know, reflecting on that time. And, uh, man, if you would have told me 20, what, two years ago that this is where we would be, I, I there's no way, man, there is no, I would argue with you to the bitter end, but somehow this is where we're at. And, uh, the, the other thing I think to me that's, that's odd is, We've got all kinds of information at our fingertips. I mean, everybody's got a cell phone in their shirt pocket, back pocket, purse, they're carrying it with them. Well, um, that's the good thing about all this technology is you can learn anything you want to learn. Yeah. At the snap of your fingers. Yeah. A guy today I was listening to on the radio was trying to figure out how to sew a button on a shirt. And everybody's like, look, man, just look it up on YouTube. You, you yeah. just look, want to learn how to sew a button on a shirt? Look it up on YouTube. Want to learn how to rebuild a uh, a caterpillar diesel engine just look it up on youtube or some guy on there teach you how to do it i mean it yep. is literally anything you want to learn it, or know about is out there but we still cling to our traditional beliefs that we hold sacred and oh, there's bad info out there you're gonna go there yeah, i got a lot to say about this well i know that's where we're headed but there's good info out there and there's bad info. And one of the problems is, is, is you can find info right now, or whatever to support about whatever you believe. And, but people are so, uh, I hate to say dumb, but they're, they're so dumb that they have trouble sorting through this stuff. And what they wind up clinging to is, uh, as you, as you said the other day, their 1983 outdoor life article, yeah. you know, that said, uh, uh, you know, the temperature or the moon phase determines when the deer are going to come into rut. Well, either they read it or their dad read it or their buddy read it and they spread that. And now you ain't convincing them any different. I mean, research after research after research has proven that the rut, among a lot of other things, this is just an example, that the rut is basically the same time every year, regardless of what the moon's doing and regardless of what the weather's doing. Doesn't matter if it's 90 degrees or if it's 20 degrees, the rut's still going to happen about the same time. Um, yep. But so many people want to argue that. You know, I just read an article the other night, oh, looking at the moon phase, rut's going to be early this year, boys. No, no, it ain't. It's going to be just like it always is. Um, I just don't. I mean, there, there's a great podcast everybody ought to listen to. I shared it 
under this topic yesterday, and it is um, uh, NDA um, with Brian Grossman. And uh, what was uh, uh, its myths, uh, deer hunting myths debunked or something like that was the name of it. Um, and it's got a, oh, uh, Kip, um, um, my mind, Kip Adams from NDA is on there with Brian Grossman and busting 11 common deer hunting myths. And, uh, I don't know what episode, episode number 34 is what it is. And some folks just need to listen to that. I mean, I can't believe with technology like it is now that we've got people that refuse to learn anything about the critters they claim to love. Yep. Yep. Happens all the time, man. It just blows my mind how you can be, I mean, Dr. Craig Harper uses this word a lot. And I know why he uses it because there's just not another better word to use. You look up at the def definition in the, in the dictionary, the word ignorance. Just ignorance is just when you're capable of learning something, but you just refuse to. And uh, that's what's happening. Uh, a lot and you know i'm not trying to call anybody ignorant on here but research something learn something about the animals you claim to love yep yep people really should but i don't know man uh the resistance is so high for people to to learn some of this and change it's because it cha it, it challenges deep held beliefs and traditions and yep. when you challenge people's deep held beliefs and traditions uh you know i i, I was talking to, to a buddy of mine today um he called me about some stuff wondering about game and fish this and that and the other and um we got we got shifted over to other things that are happening in our world and and the difference in like our grandparents generation who were you know, diehard Democrats, uh, you know, depression era Democrats, they would vote for anybody if they had a D by their name. And now that same, primarily that same traditional group, uh, you know, has, has flipped to being diehard Republicans and they'll vote for anybody as long as they got an R by their name. And, yep. uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Meanwhile, the ship is still sinking and, uh, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just people are so passionate about what they believe and their, their deep held traditions and beliefs that, you know, to, to challenge that they're, they're just resistant to any change. Sometimes in order for that change to take place, it takes generations and, um, and then we still wind up often not heading in the right direction. Uh, well, I don't, I don't want to get into a political deal on here, but I do have to say this. It ain't the Democrats and it ain't the Republicans because they're all in bed together. Oh, I am a firm believer that the term Democrat and the term Republican is just a term used to divide all of us. Oh, I don't doubt Because when you get deep in the bowels of what's going on in politics, they're all in cahoots together. I think. <laughs> you just got me cracked up thinking because you said bowels, and I'm like, you know what's in people's bowels? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And that's, that's, uh, that's just where we are, man. Uh, and, you know, and I, I don't, but, but it is that same kind of deal when you talk to people about, you know, habitat, wildlife, they have these, it's just a religion. I mean, religion and politics, it's the same. People yeah. are so entrenched in what they believe. They are resistant to hearing, you know, anything else. And, and it's really sad. Like I tell my son all the time. You know, I want you to be a lifelong learner. 
Yes. I don't care. I don't care if you're if you're sixty five years old and uh, whatever. You should always have a a thirst and an appetite for learning. Yep. You know, you can always learn. And I I think a lot of people where we fall short is, you know, we don't do that. We 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 quit learning. Uh, you know, in in a lot of cases. We quit learning probably after about sixth grade. Well, that happens quite a bit. You know, we, we talked in an episode here a while back about some of these college kids that think when they graduate college, they're that's done the learning. They and, think that's the end. They it's think that's line. the end. Yeah, it's and, a finish line. I made it. Yeah, and you ain't done nothing but prove you're capable of learning so that you can get a job that they're going to try to get you to learn more. Yep, and that's what I keep telling them. That's not the end. That's not the finish line. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. Yeah, but you, you, man, you'll be hard pressed to get people to wrap their mind around that. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Well, it's a crazy world we live in. But you know, I love being able to learn anything. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I encounter every day that I don't know. Don't know what it is. Don't know how to do it. Don't know the right way to do it. And, you know, if you know, if you have the working knowledge to know kind of who you can trust and who you can't, what you can trust reading, what you can put your faith in, then, you know, you can learn it pretty quick. But, man, if you didn't have a clue who to trust, you know, look in the habitat world. Look at how many, you know, and... Just because you got a PhD in front of your name don't doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. We've seen well, that time and time again. Well, and, a lot of people are paid. You know, they're paid, sponsored, subsidized, uh, whatever. For you know, and that that motivates some of them. Even that know right and wrong, it motivates them to say something different. Right. Well are pushing an agenda. You know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, don't want that they they want an agenda pushed. So they're going to fight tooth and nail anything that might might go against whatever agenda they're trying to push. And then you've got guys out there that just they just don't know. Some of them are even biologists. We know a couple of them on Facebook that are bi wildlife habitat biologists, but they're so far out there with their beliefs of how things ought to work that um, I don't, I don't think there's any way they'll ever recover from it. And what that comes from is uh, the people they were around, whether it was a professor or an instructor or uh, uh, the people they grew up around or what dad told them or grandpa told them. And, you know, like you said uh, uh, in the last podcast, they're just, uh, they're just constantly, grabbing any little piece out of any information they can find that kind of supports somewhat or leaves a door open for to to think like they think and uh yes. there'll always be a shadow of doubt in there that's why you know um these people that are are actually doing the research sharing the research and preaching they can't leave any room for misinterpretation you've got to shell it out like you're talking to five-year-olds Yep. Um, yeah, or they're we, not not going to get it. We haven't seen them do that yet either, right? Uh, that that's where I do sometimes have a little rub, but uh, but you know, the I guess at at the end of the day, you have some of those guys who are so dated they have not kept up with modern research and and science as it has, you know evolved or developed where it's it's exposed some things that we thought were true that now we know we're not well we're seeing that you know i saw that at game and fish when i worked there you've got a biologist that's in charge of a specific area that pretty much learned everything he knows in college yep. and we, we've already already discussed how you know, going to this technical college up the road, the the professor there that's teaching wildlife management is not the same message you're getting from 
MSU's Deer Lab or something like it. Um, yep. It's, yep. It's, you're you're learning completely different stuff, and uh, oh, yeah. and then and then they come out and they get a job in a government uh, uh, position where they're on a uh, a wildlife management area and they're the only ones there in charge and they never learn anything else. They spend a 20 year career doing what they've always done and they let never learn anything any different. Well, they're they're that, you know, that type of an employee is, is locked in, you know, to a government job and they're, they're there to ride it out till they hit their retirement and they can either go get a, another job while they have a few good years left or they can just hang it up and, and they don't care about doing anything other than just maintaining status quo. So they can keep their job, you know, and, and get to that retirement mark. That's right. Uh, but th there's a, let, let's run through uh, a couple things. Some that you've seen on Facebook recently, uh, these, these long held beliefs, these traditional beliefs that have been debunked, proven wrong through research. Let's run through a couple. The, the biggest ways. one that comes to mind is people talking about predator management. Yeah. Okay. Now, predator management is necessary. Predator management is a is is a huge thing. Predator management has to be done. Predator management increases quail populations and turkey populations and deer populations. But everyone, when you say predator management, always goes straight to thinking about trapping. Trapping, I'm all for it, 100%. I've trapped my entire life. I've supplemented my income most of my adult life trapping. But trapping is the weakest form of predator management. Trapping is the last step of predator management should be say it again for the folks in the back mm -hmm. there is a lot of ways to manage against predation other than just trapping and that's what gripes me so bad you know somebody shared an article with me last night that says predator management is the key to turkey success i don't disagree with that at all what i disagree with is when you're just focused on trapping as your sole form of predator management. Now, some people, that's all they can do. And if that's all you can do and you're not allowed to do anything with the, the property whatsoever, then, hey, your hands are kind of tied. But I would be kind of joining the bandwagon and campaigning and trying to get my neighbors to do something a little bit different um, so that you can have more, more birds. Um, but, when when you can manipulate the timber and allow food plots to go follow fallow and feather edges and control what's planted around you and what's not, control whether you put out corn or not, control a lot of different things, um, control people dumping crap, control hay bales stored on the property. Uh, you know, there's so many different things that attracts predators to the area. And I'm not talking about just coons. I'm talking about coon and coyote and bobcat and hawks and crows and owls and everything that's a predator. Snakes and uh, mice and rats and everything that's a predator. And, you know, you can you can manage against all that stuff and control them way better then you can try to control them trapping. Did you listen to Marcus and Will's Wild Turkey Science podcast the other day? No, I hadn't listened to it. They said, and I'm going to screw these numbers up. Y'all just going to have to listen to it for yourself. Um, but there's something like um, 500 pounds of corn per square mile dumped every week, year-round in the lowlands of South Carolina. Millions and millions of dollars of corn every single year put out for deer. That's no doubt producing alpha toxin, attracting predators, causing wildlife to congregate, 
that spreads diseases and so many other things. But that's and that's another one we can we can dump into. That's a big myth. People think they have to feed their deer corn. And, you know, it's been proven that you're not going to grow bigger bucks feeding corn. You, you you can even make them go backwards. They're feeling it's like you're that's like trying to get your kids to be healthy. And instead of them eating a healthy, balanced meal, you're feeding them candy bars and chocolate ice cream three meals a day. They might love you for it. They're always going to show up to the dinner table to eat. They're going to sing praises to you. You're going to see a lot of them at feeding time, but it's not really what they need. And that's the same thing. You know, You something can be said for some energy that it provides during cold spells or during the rut or something like it. But as far as feeding corn year round, thinking you're giving your deer nutrition, there's a lot better ways to provide protein and calcium and phosphorus and things they need than feeding corn well and and the other thing along that same line was i think the number was 75 percent of what is consuming the corn is non-target species which is not a deer that's right it's coons and squirrels and everything else you know other than what you think you're trying to feed yep yeah, you're feeding a lot of things and you're, you know, I don't, if, if somebody's feeding corn year round, I don't want to hear a word out of your mouth about predator issues. Well, se seven and a half bags out of 10 that you dump on the ground or in your feeder are going to something other than a deer. Yep. <laughs> and they done a test and they found alpha toxin levels and corn still in the bag in the store on the shelf that hasn't been sold yet. Well, I have no doubt of that. Th just think about, you know, how many 18 wheelers that that's set in. Think about how many grain shops, bins. grain bins, shops. Uh, I mean, you know, that are hot, hot, hot. Just, just think about, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You let something set in a grain bin for a while without the fans going and you're going to oh. have some mold. Oh, it's it's going to go quick in Arkansas. Yep. And, you know, they're bagging that crap up and they're selling it to you and you're feeding it out there. And you're, you, you know, even if there wasn't alpha toxin levels that's that's killing your wildlife. You're not providing anything for those wildlife. The nutrition, the nutrition levels of corn is so low, you're not providing anything for those critters like you think you are or you may think you are and you're just providing a way to spread diseases and for predators to pick off because you're congregating your wildlife well and then uh there was another deal and i think it was milo versus corn the the deer used to not change right so i mean you you can you can feed something else that that might not be as harmful, you know. Um, there there's pros and cons all the way around. But um, well, I missed a. I've got to find the the information on it. But I missed a, a meeting the other day. They had a wild uh, a waterfowl management workshop uh, down at Five Oaks at Stuttgart, and I didn't get to go because we had a rehearsal. Um, for the wedding and rehearsal dinner and stuff that afternoon. So I didn't make it. It was, uh, it was going to put me two or three hours behind if I tried to go. Um, but they have done a study now on what mallard ducks eat. And it's not what people think. It's not all the corn and rice that everybody thinks it is. Um, even down at the rice capital of the world in the Stuttgart area, these, um, these ducks are still preferring invertebrates and moist soil seed over corn and rice. And these uh, backpack uh, GPS transmitter ducks they've got, they've watched how they avoid pressure. And these ducks are migrating south and they're sitting on these private clubs and they are completely avoiding the hottest WMA in the country down there. Um, 
And it ain't from lack of habitat. It ain't from lack of food in the woods. It's from pressure. So um, these ducks ain't eating what people think they're eating. And they've learned to avoid pressure, which is something you and I have both preached for a long time. Oh, my goodness, man. Don't get me started. And this has changed in my lifetime. Yes. I've seen it change in my lifetime. And uh, not only have I seen the ducks change, I've seen the people change. I've seen the technology change. I've seen the pressure change. I've seen the amount of hunters change, the the length of their time in the woods, the days that they spend in the woods, the equipment they're using, everything from, uh, you know, mud motors and hopped up outboards and spinning wing decoys and everything you can imagine. I have seen it change and um, it has not been for the better. We, we are, we are our own worst enemy and we are destroying or possibly have destroyed one of our best natural resources, but don't, don't get me on that. What about the deer, the deer deal on the, um, uh, uh, when deer come into heat, that was another one that's been debunked that we barely, you know, we skimmed across here. Um, you know, that, that there was a Facebook deal where guys were talking about, you know, when deer come into heat and it's related to the moon phase of temperature or whatever. And, and we, you know, that's been put to bed a long time ago. Yeah. I thought. And people still, people still clinging to it. Um, and, and and here's another deal. You, you talk about hunters and just the changes in hunters. I was talking to a buddy of mine too the other day. We never, 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 ever fed any kind of food, bait, nothing. Never fed anything to corn when I was a kid. Uh, and I remember, I'm going to say... It was probably in the 2000s before we ever started feeding corn or, or or anything else. Well, so Marcus and Will touched on that. And, you know, and if you rewind 15 years or 20 years ago, uh, which doesn't seem like that long ago, it was in the 2000s. Um, and they talked about, you know, people whispered about it back then. Well, you know, even though it was legal to do, people just didn't do it. It's, uh, well, he's, he's baiting out there. You know, it was perfectly legal. Anybody that wanted to can do it, but people just didn't do it. And now I guarantee you 90% of the deer hunters in Arkansas on private land have a corn pile. Oh, yeah, I bet it's higher than that. Uh, <clears throat> that's what we were talking about and that we – have raised an entire generation now that thinks deer hunting is sitting looking at a corn feeder. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's exactly what they think. You know, I, I hate that. I, I hate that, but that's where we're at. And then, you know, you feel pressured a lot of times too. Well, my neighbors got out, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, I better, you know, I better at least put out some, you know, you feel that pressure. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just my father-in-law came through two, I think two years ago and stopped to gra grab a couple bags of corn from the guy down there. And the guy told him one little place right here and, and told him how many thousands and thousands of bags he'd already sold. And it wasn't even full blown deer season yet. And, uh, it, it the number would shock you. And I mean, every Walmart, every gas station, every big, big red store, convenience store, dollar store, hunting store, there, there's bags of corn sitting everywhere right now for sale. And Go through Augusta, it's on the side of the road. It will like get bought. up in a big sign that says deer corn. Yeah, that guy's advertising on Facebook right now. Yeah. Come and get, you know, and uh, um. It just, it blows my mind. I, I mean, it just, I don't know. Uh, you know, people's welcome to do what they want to do on their own property. You know, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from that, but at least know the consequences, at least know the good and the bad. Don't feel like you have to do it or you're not going to have deer or you're not going to have big deer or you're not going to have mature bucks 
or you're not going to have turkeys. You know, it's like the guy that told me, uh, well, I have to feed corn because you've done all that habitat work over there and, and I haven't. I've got to have something to compete with that and have turkeys on my place. So I have to feed corn. Well, I had a neighbor ask me, and this was his words. He put it out there like this. This is not my words. He said, why are you against, why are you so much against foot putting out corn? I said, I'm not. What, what makes you say that? Where did you come up with that at? You know, well, uh, uh, I said, let me tell you my, my issue. It's real simple. My issue is when you're doing this year round, my issue is when you're illegally doing it for turkeys. And, and my issue is you are taking away from the quality that we could have. And you're expecting to get it out of a $10 bag of corn versus what we could do if we improved our habitat that would be longer lasting. And it has more negative impacts than it does positive. Now, during deer season, I, I do bait for DMAT purposes. It, 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 you know, it possibly helps us pick out which doe we want to shoot first. That kind now of let's, Now, let's touch on that. Yeah. I, I'm talking about thinking you're, you're doing good by supplemental feeding. Deer. Oh yeah, that, that's not happening. I'm not talking about baiting, folks. Baiting okay. is a whole different deal. If you're baiting to get turkeys under a net so you can net them, if you're baiting to get uh, wood ducks on a trap so you can band them, or you're baiting to to get mallards on a trap so you can band them, if you're baiting so you can shoot does as part of your DMAT program, if you're baiting so that you can get a a kid a shot or if you're baiting just because you have a, a a property and you're trying to attract deer to it i'm i'm 100 fine with it what i'm not okay with is you thinking that you need to supplemental feed year round especially corn and you're feeding it during the warm months of the year where you can kill turkeys and predators learn that they can pick off an easy meal of your turkeys or quail there. Um, that's, that's what I'm talking about. And, you know, you need to know the difference, the good versus the bad versus the ugly of supplemental feeding of feeding corn. You need to know a little bit about deer nutrition before you start thinking that you're making a difference because you're not making a difference for the good. No, no. And then when you also get to, you know, and I'm like you, I don't mind baiting, you know, on the deal for deer, especially when you're trying to be more selective in your harvest for your does, things like that. But you're still having negative impacts, even when you're doing that. And, right. and I am against supplemental feeding, which is year round feeding program with the intent purpose of trying to supplement, boost, make bigger grow, whatever your, your, your game animals. Now I've I've got a I've got some buddies that uh lease a big property. <clears throat> They're not allowed to do any habitat work. They have some big deer on the property and they supplemental feed protein pellets. Now I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that it works or that it doesn't, but they supplemental feed protein pellets after the rut toward the end of deer season from from the time the rut starts ending until green up. And that's just because they don't feel like they have the uh, natural browse on their property that they need to support these deer and they're not allowed to do it. So they're not feeding year round. Once it greens up, the deer have plenty, but they are supplemental feeding then and they believe it's working. And I'm not even discouraging that or talking against that. I'm talking about mainly the feeding of corn and feeding during the warm months when everything is green. That's what I'm that's what I'm against. And and not and not knowing the the nutritional requirements for deer and whether you're helping or hurting. Yeah. Well, and the same guy that's out there supplemental feeding, shooting a two and a half year old buck. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, what are you doing, man? 
I'm, yeah. I'm helping my herd. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, that that's how that's how dumb they they are when you talk about what does a deer need to reach full potential you know and they they're they're thinking it's going to come out of a bag of corn but yet they're also killing that deer at two and a half years old that's right that's right and and or here's another good one you asked a while ago what are some of the things well here's another good one that I hear people say, I'm not shooting any does. I'm saving all my does because does attract bucks. I hear that one quite a bit. And, you know, we've learned that that couldn't be further from the truth. If you want big ducks and you want to see a defined rut and see deer chasing, um, then you need to thin some does. You need to shoot some does. Yes. Uh, and this all goes back to what we started griping about in the beginning it's technology. It's the age we're in. The same reason that we can't get equipment to run because of all of this electronic technology can also benefit you. You've got a device in your pocket right now. 99% of the people listening to this that you can pull out and you can find information on anything you want. And you can learn about all of this, about nutritional requirements for deer and turkey and quail and, and waterfowl. And you can find out what you need to do to supply that. And, you know, technology can be a great thing and a bad thing. You know, I, I love technology. I just wish we didn't have all these electronic apparatuses on every piece of equipment I'm trying to run right now. But other than that, it's a great thing in this day and age. Right, right. It, it does have its place, and it, it can be an asset, but at the end of the day, I mean, do we really need heated seats and a touch screen and a side-by-side? -side? I don't. My <laughs> seat stays pretty hot most time I'm in it anyway. So <laughs> Now, maybe if I lived in Alaska and I was putting around the, the tundra or something, uh, you know, maybe maybe so, but, uh, but no, most time – you know, I wouldn't mind having one if I had a snowmobile, but I've just seen a snowmobile a couple times in my life. I've definitely never been on one. Uh, we don't need those in Arkansas. No, no, we sure don't. Man, you get to – the other thing I think is often overlooked um, is the benefit, you know, you, when you start talking about predator management and you start talking about nutrition for your deer – and cover and nutrition for your uh, ground nesting birds and all of these things. The thing that is most overlooked is the habitat. Yes. Yep. I mean, yep. I, and I know we preach that regularly because that you know that's kind of that's kind of what we do. But um, the habitat is where it's at, and you can do so much with that. Uh, you know, it just and you can do a lot with it. There is no substitute for habitat. Habitat no. will mitigate 90% no. of the problems with wildlife that we know about today. That's like all your old racers will, you know, they got that phrase, there's no replacement for displacement. And I mean, if you, if you got, if you got a 49 cubic inch motor versus a 38 cubic inch motor, it, 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 there's just no replacement for displacement. And, uh, uh, if you, you know, just, I mean, it's just, it's the same way with habitat. That's uh, right. There's no replacement for good quality habitat. There is no replacement. You, you can't, you can't buy it at the store. You know, it's not wrapped up in a new feeder or, you know, something you can feed out of a bag. It's just the habitat is important. And uh, it's a simple process. Well, we and got to, we got to put you, sunlight on the ground. That's 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 it. I'll tell you another one that that often makes me scratch my head is people that think their food plot is going to sustain their deer herd. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and and most food plots, you know, are probably a quarter to five acres. I would say, um, some maybe a little bigger, some maybe a little less, but you know, the ones at least that I typically see. And uh, you, 
there are some stuff that nutritionally is better or puts out more tonnage or this, that, or the other, but quit looking at it through a food plot lens and, and manage the entire property. Yes. Uh, man, I think that all the time, you know, all the time. Yep. Um, just yep. when you realize that those sweet gums and those hackberries and those maples and those elms and most of the hickories aren't really doing anything in your woods and they're really not supposed to be there. Um, and that you can produce way more acorns, way more brood habitat, way more nesting cover, way more fawning cover, way more uh, mature buck bedding without them, then you've won half the battle. Yep. The other half is taking action on it. Yes. Yep. Ain't no doubt. Well, we better wrap this up. We've been going on for a while. I know we, we really hadn't said a whole lot other than we started out griping about technology and then we started praising it. But um, I guess we'll call this technology the good and the bad. But um, thank you all for tuning in. Um, we appreciate you all listening to us, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.